Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. This is Episode 7 of the podcast, but the second edition of Joe Talk, where we will talk American Athletic Conference football. Media days have just finished up last week, and there's a lot of coaching news with uh, Old Miss's dismissal of Hugh Freeze as of late. So we're going to go over some of the potential AAC coaches that could be in the mix. And then we will give a little bit of our recap of what was said at the media days. But first, let me bring on my co-host for the show. Joey, how's it going, my friend? Good. How are you, Joe? Can't complain. Can't complain. Weather's actually finally nice in Baltimore after a couple of days of uh, misery. Before we get started with the football talk, let's do the promotion for underdog dynasty make sure you're following us on facebook and twitter check us out on itunes if you're not already and please leave us a reviews or some kind of things we were trying to get this out there again like we said on the last time we talked there's not many g5 podcasts out there so we're really trying to get this out there but let's get this started we're going to bring up some names that we are thinking could be in the potential running for Ole Miss's job right now. That job is Matt Luke's. And I honestly personally think that he's probably their best hire, but sounds like they're actually looking for potential head coaches. So first, I guess I'll let you start with that, Joe. Who are the guys that you could see in the AAC potentially being at Ole Miss? Well, I heard ESPN mention that Chip Kelly is, is an option, and obviously that would be – Hard to turn down for them. As far as AAC options, I think there's a few options that they sh- they can consider. Uh, Mike Norvell is from Memphis is a top candidate uh, to be able to take over for Justin Fuente and do what he did last year was pretty remarkable. They still have a lot of momentum going into this year, and they should have a better year than their eight and five record last season. So I think Norvell, if they have a good year, could be gone after just his second year. The other two that I liked off the top were Philip Montgomery of Tulsa. He's had a couple good years, went six and seven in 2015, and last year they went ten and three. And if they can reproduce a ten win season, I think he would be a strong candidate. The other one that I like is Charlie Strong. I know that he just got to USF, but I do think that should he be able to have a good year, he would try to get back into a Power 5 program as soon as he can. Yeah, I can't argue with any of those selections there. Um, Norvell is an interesting one. I think he, of all of them, might be the front runner of, let's say, of AAC coaches because we know we're going to hear of Lane Kiffin. You mentioned Chip Kelly. Les Miles' name has been in the mix, too. Um, another name I kind of wanted to throw in there was Chad Morris from SMU. I mean, he's gonna. I really think he's gonna really turn some heads this year, and they're gonna be a much better team than you know a lot of teams, or excuse me, a lot of people expect. So I really think he's a name to keep an eye on. Um, you mentioned Charlie Strong. You know, I think I think we can all agree that where he's at right now is just a uh, a, a soft landing after Texas and before he gets back into to another big gig, and that could be over there. Scott Frost is someone who could do it. Willie Fritz is another name I've kind of heard. I don't know about that, really. I don't see how 
heel, you know, transitioned, you know, his game over into the SEC. I mean, Tulane has a little ways to go, and I think Fritz is still trying to get things settled there, and I think he, I don't know if he's really thinking about leaving. You mentioned Morris, I, I like that choice at SMU, and I think him and Scott Frost are kind of in the same boat. You kind of need to see one more year uh, on their resume to see what they do this year to really gauge if they can take over a job like Ole Miss. I mean, that it's a, it's a mess over there right now. And granted, I mean, SMU was pretty bad for a while, and Morris seems to be turning things around. But I think for both him and Frost, if they can have a really good year, then their names will be moving up high onto that list. Yeah, like I said earlier, I still think that the job does belong to Matt Luke. I think, you know, he inherited that team. When I watched that press conference the other day, you could tell it actually meant a lot to him. Granted, any former alum, that's going to mean a lot to him. But this is a guy that, you know, they kept around for a reason. So I could see him potentially keeping the job, but... That was the list of guys that, you know, we could potentially see in the AAC jumping over into the SEC because, let's be honest, the SEC will always lure coaches away from any of the other power conferences. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, I think it's just hard for the smaller schools to hang on to their coaches just financially. I think most of the time it's hard for them to compete with the bigger schools. And as you mentioned, the SEC is just pretty much runs – football right now, ACC is catching up, you could say, but yeah, it's really tough for the smaller schools to keep their coaches around, especially when they have the level of success that most of their coaches are going to have this season. Yeah, and I think you kind of kind of gave a perfect transition, you know. At the media days, really were stressing this P6 initiative. They set it a total of 16 times in the 23 minutes of the press conference that the commissioner gave. And to be, to make a point, you know, what they were trying to say is that they are getting the wins over those P, you know, the P5 schools. And over that's 19 of them in the past years. And obviously the biggest ones were, you know, Houston over you know, Florida State last year and then the, the bowl win for uh, Central Florida with uh, Blake Bortles a few years ago. Do you think that they could realistically get into that discussion because I'm one to personally believe that if they continue to win, they're going to be impossible to ignore, and then you're going to have to put them into the discussion with the, that rest of the group of five. Or, excuse me, the power five. Yeah, I think uh, when you're looking at at their record against power five competition, I think they're well on their way to making that happen. I know everybody thinks that the Power 6 concept is kind of a corny concept and they're really just overdoing it, but that, I mean, that's how you make the transition into being a power conference. Everybody says that they want group of five teams to be able to compete with the Power 5 and the AAC is just taking that step to get to be a power conference and like you mentioned earlier, they've had the wins that that prove that they can compete with those top teams. Now, they need a little bit of help from the bottom of the conference. Those bottom teams have to obviously create more depth, but the top teams are definitely capable. I mean, you mentioned Houston and UCF. I mean, Houston, under Tom Herman, the last two years proved that they can hang with almost anybody. So I don't see why 
this won't be happening within the next few years if they keep keep going like this and if their teams keep winning the way that they do they do yeah and i think of what's in kind of and i know it's not a football move but bringing in wichita state for basketball and baseball is actually really big for the conference i know football gets all it's the big money but those that is a big school in the basketball world we've seen them do really well in the tournament in the past couple years they've done really well in baseball every year as well so that's a big move for them to you know kind of what's the word i'm looking for to strengthen it the conference as a whole and then they have some major markets with some of these teams too Um, houston obviously major market temple is in philadelphia another major market Uh, you got you know cincinnati while it'll never be as competitive as ohio state you know that's another big market so they do have the right teams in there it's just like like you just mentioned the bottom teams really gotta step their game up and then we can truly call this you know one of the better conferences in in all of the sports obviously right and i think that when it comes to the college football playoff even i know right now there's not talks of expansion which it makes it difficult for any group of five team to get in but i think if they keep pushing this either the power conference or for a playoff expansion it just really paves the way for the aac i mean even you could talk the mountain west i mean even any group of five team could get there but i, I just don't see how this power conference movement that the AAC is starting is a bad thing yeah you mentioned the college football playoff you know we just witnessed a g5 school last year that went undefeated and wasn't even in discussion to make it into the into that final four teams you know i feel like this year south florida could be that team that is the g5 program that could potentially get in there but are we always going to see that case where that team that's not in the Power Five is kept out by the you know SEC winner, Pac-12 winner, Big Ten winner, Big 12 winner, and etc.? Yeah, I, I don't. I just don't see how a Group of Five team can surpass a Power Five team. I mean, one Power Five conference is getting left out as it is. So not only do you have to surpass them but you have to beat another power five team just to get into the conference and i just i don't think that their schedule the aac schedules right now are set up to the point where they are not conference schedules can get them in and that's what the committee is going to look at now this year is a little different because the conference schedule seems to be a little bit stronger there's multiple teams that are going to be successful this season but when you look at you look at the non-conference schedule, I don't see. I mean, Cincinnati plays Michigan. That's obviously going to be a struggle for them. USF, you mentioned. I mean, their best non-conference game might be against Illinois, and that's hardly a win that's going to get you know launch them into the national conversation. Uh, Houston plays Arizona and Texas Tech. Those are would be good wins. A big one, and another reason why I'm high in Memphis, is they host UCLA in Week 3. And I think that might be a big enough win, and if they can continue to remain undefeated, I think that could keep them in the national conversation. But I, it's really hard for anyone to say definitively that a group of five team can make the playoff and surpass two power five teams. 
Yeah, I got to totally agree with that. I mean, honestly, I don't think we're going to see a school outside of one of those power conferences until they make that expansion to eight, which I ultimately do think at some point we're going to see. I think there's too much money behind it for not to happen. They're just going to have to figure out the whole bowl situation with all that. But like I kind of said earlier, I, I really do see the American, you know, they've, they're trying to get out of the shadows of these other conferences, but it's really going to be hard if you think about, you know, where some of these teams are. You know, I brought up that some of these teams are in, the, you know, these major markets, but at the same time, okay, Houston is in Texas, you know, it's, Houston's a major market, but they'll always be second to Texas and Texas A&M. Yeah, you know, I brought up Temple for Philadelphia, but they will always be second to Penn State and maybe even Pitt in the state of Pennsylvania. You got Central Florida, South Florida, that they will always be behind Florida State, Florida, Miami. So that's going to be the hard thing for, for these, this conference is to, to separate themselves from those already well established. You know, a lot of those teams have already won several national championships, you know, in the long history of college football. So it's going to be hard for the AAC to make that jump into being that. And then I think something that's kind of overlooked is the financial situation behind everything is, and they talked about this during the media day, is they don't have the same contract with ESPN or or CBS Sports that some of these big bigger ones do. They Each team last year made $2 million from their media thing. Compared to the rest of the Power 5 schools, they've made almost over $30 million. So that's going to be the biggest thing for them to try to catch up, and whatever they come to the negotiating table the next time, they're going to need to figure out a way to get more money from these many things if they really, really want to compete with what they're trying to be, which is that Power Six conference. Yeah, and in addition to, I mean, the money obviously the money drives everything in college football. And going back to our pre, the first topic we talked about, the coaches. I mean, the reason why a lot of these schools are losing their top coaches is because they can't financially compete with a Power Five contract. I mean. You mentioned Chad Morris. I, I don't think SMU can offer nearly anything Ole Miss would be able to offer them. So in addition to just making more money in general for facilities and whatnot from their TV contracts, I mean, it, it's going to help them keep coaches around more and longer, and that will, you know, in turn will help their program because they'll have stability at the coaching staff recruits know that they're going to be there for a while and just everything that surrounding that program gets better because they have more money to use now this is literally just came into my head because i have these notes written down we heard a little bit of last year about a potential big 12 expansion and that kind of fueled the talk of the power six you know, once you know, once the Big Twelve expansion was announced that it wasn't going to happen, that's when the AAC really went with this drive of calling themselves the Power Six. Do you think that they can continue this Power Six movement that they're going with, or ultimately will somebody snatch a couple of these teams out of the American, and then that's which will weaken the American? Yeah, I think if if a couple teams get snatched, like I mean, we we saw Houston last year. Had uh, you know was flirting with going to the Big Twelve, which, in my opinion, the Big Twelve expansion that whole thing was kind of a joke. I mean, they got really serious, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's a little suspicious when one of your top programs is struggling and they get fired, and one of the teams that you're trying to get to your conference does really well in Houston, and then 
they just snagged their coach. But that's another topic for another day. But I think right now it's just that's where the AAC has to go is they have to push their own brand because no one's coming in to take their teams. And I think if with the goals that they have of where they want to go, I just think that the push to be a power conference is just the best best option for them. Now, if a Big 12 comes in or Big 10, somebody comes in and snags one or two of those teams, I think that pretty much ends the push to be a power conference just because the teams that are leaving are probably going to be two of the better teams in the conference. Yeah, I mean, obviously you mentioned Houston. I, I think we can both agree that if any team was to be snatched up right away, it would probably be them. They'd be the first to go. And then probably the two schools in Florida because, you know, they're, I mean, they're kind of newer schools. They've got a nice facility, so they will be obviously the first ones to go. I also wanted to mention, I forgot to say earlier, that Vern Lundquist was actually the MC for the event. Uh, it's good to see Vern still around the college landscape. I've always been a fan of him. I'm sure you could say the same yourself. Yeah, definitely. Vern's been great. Uh, definitely going to miss him on CBS. I'm sure Brad Nessler will do just fine, but it was really exciting to see that he was at AAC Media Days. They also mentioned the passing of Wayne Harden, who was the former Navy and Temple coach. I wrote a story about his death earlier. I got the chance to meet him once, actually, when I went to Temple. So it was kind of sad news when I found out that he passed away. For those who don't know, he was the coach at Navy when Roger Staubach was the Heisman Trophy winner. And then he was a coach at Temple when Steve Yoakum was the 74 Maxwell Award winner. So he was a pretty damn good coach. Tough to Tough to see him go. We're going to switch into, we're going to do a little bit of the over-under totals for each team this year. We did this a little bit earlier, a couple a couple weeks ago. We're going to go over each team in the conference, starting with the East. We'll give you the over-under totals that were provided by us by South Point, and then we'll go from there. So, Joey, let's start with the Bearcats in Cincinnati. The number is five wins. Let the people know what you think. You know, I said push in the article earlier, but I th- I think over. I I think that Cincinnati is very underrated going into this year, and I think Luke Fickle makes a big difference. I had I had over in the article, and I think a lot of what you said is because I think that defense is really underrated, and I think that they will uh, give Fickle actually a better first year than a lot of people think. Next up is ECU. The number is two and a half. I said under, and I'm pretty sure you, yes, you did as well. Um, you know, I think we both can agree that they, they've got some work to do before they can make the, get, get to even three wins. Yeah, I mean, Zay Jones is gone. That's tough. And their schedule really doesn't bode well for them. And I think I mentioned in the article, it's going to be tough that they might not win a game until November. And winning your first game in November, obviously, is not, not an indicator of success. Yeah, okay, so then next is the defending champion Temple Owls, and their number is set at 7. I called it a push, and I, for me, I still think they have one of the better defenses in the conference, but they got so many holes, and I just wrote this the other day, so many holes on offense, you really don't know where they're going to go, but I could still get see them get to the 7-win mark. Yeah, I could see it too. I said under just because of the turnover. 
on both sides of the ball, and then you add in the new coaching staff. I just, I think that that might put a few, you know, roadblocks that they need to get through, and it might take them a little while to gel. All right, then the next up is the UCF Knights, and they are a seven and a half win projection. You have over, I have over. I think we're kind of in agreement that they are the one team in the East that is most likely to give USF a run at this division. Yeah, I agree. And I think they're probably, I mean, unless Temple surprises us, which, I mean, they've been known to do that in the past, but unless UCF or Temple is the one that compete. I don't think Cincinnati, East Carolina, or Connecticut are going to make any noise. Yeah, you just mentioned Connecticut. Their number's at four. Uh, I had under. I just don't see a lot of talent other than a couple linebackers that, you know, really impressed me. So I think Randy Etzel's first year back is going to be a rough one for him. Yeah, if he, I mean, if he didn't leave, then... I don't think there'd be that many holes to fill, but since there's been a few years since he left and now has come back, there's just too much for him to fix, and that's why I said under. All right, and then the last in the East are those South Florida Bulls. We talked about them in length a little bit earlier. Uh, Their number is at 10. I called it a push. I... I'm really struggling to see them actually just win every single game. I can't tell you who's going to be the team that beats them, but I just, I don't know, hard to pick any team to actually win them all because, I mean, the best thing about college football is any given Saturday, you don't know what's going to happen. So uh, I have a push. I still think that they will end up being the conference champion, but 10 is the number, and that's why I say push. I could easily, yeah, I can see a push. I, I said over in the article. If you look at their schedule, their first four games are San Jose State, Stony Brook, UConn, and Illinois. So obviously that's probably going to be four wins. The game at home against Temple after that is the one that's going to be one to watch. But then after that, they have East Carolina, UMass, Tulane, and Cincinnati. So they'll have some momentum going into the end of the season, and I, I think... Quentin Flowers is special, and that's why I said over. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of hard to uh, bet against Quentin Flowers. He is one of the favorites for potential Heisman run for a reason. And like I said, I still do think that they end up winning the conference. I just think that there will be one slip up at some point, even though now that you went through that schedule, I'm already thinking that might be a bad idea. Uh, But let's switch over now to the West. Uh, We'll start with... uh, Houston Cougars, and their number is at eight and a half wins. We both went over. I, as I said, I could kind of, in my mind, I said I could see them either with eight and four or nine and three. So I was kind of, you know, eh about it. But they will be one of the better teams in the AAC for sure. Yeah, they have one of the tougher schedules in the conference. They play Arizona and Texas Tech, like I mentioned earlier, in their non-conference slate. They start off with UTSA, which should be should be a win, but I think it'll be more difficult than people are predicting. 
but they have so much talent on their roster. I think that gets overlooked when people are talking about them, which is great because that comes in. They come in underrated, and I think with eight and a half wins and people looking past them, they're gonna come in and they prove that they're still they're still a good team even without Tom Herman. Yeah, they definitely have the talent there to keep on winning. So you know, going over is definitely, and then even winning the division totally wouldn't surprise me. But we both, I think, agreed that the real favorite to win that division was the Memphis Tigers. Their number is surprisingly low. It's at eight and a half. I remember when we were doing this, I was surprised that it wasn't, you know, I thought it would at least be nine, to be honest, maybe even ten. But we both set over. Uh, we both agreed that they could win this division. Do you really see any chance of them going under that eight and a half? Because I honestly, I think the schedule... You know, they do have a little bit of a rough stretch, but I think the schedule actually works out in their favor as well. Yeah, they only have, I think, two rough stretches that I can see on the schedule. They play they play UL Monroe to start, and then they have UCF and UCLA in consecutive weeks. Obviously, those two games will be tough. And then they have a little while before they have to play Navy and Houston in consecutive weeks again. And then they play Tulsa two weeks later. But yeah, like you said, I, I don't think that there's any way that they go under that eight and a half mark and I definitely wouldn't be surprised if it's double digits now we'll get to a team that we disagreed on and that is Navy their number is at seven you said under I mean I guess I did say I said push and that is more because you know you're going to get a strong group from them you know that triple option is hard to defend I feel like Navy is always a team that gets to that six, seven win mark, so I went with push. Right. Yeah, the triple option is obviously hard to defend and it's tough to predict. So I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they went over that seven. When you look at their schedule, it doesn't look like it's very favorable. Obviously, they play Air Force and Army every year, and, and to be honest, both those teams seem to be stronger than Navy coming into the season. Will Worth and Keenan Runners were so special, and I just don't think that Zach Abbey has the same same it factor that both of those two had offensively. So I think that brings them down a little bit. And like I said, this, the schedule just doesn't look favorable for a seven-win or more schedule, so that's why I said under. Uh, we brought up Chad Morris earlier, and that brings SMU to the table. Their number is at five. You went over. I said push. Part of the reason is I think that the offense will be totally fine under Morris. I think we can both agree on that. They have the question marks on defense. For me is the reason why I have them at just five wins. You said over. Realistically, what number can you see? Six, seven? What do you, what do you honestly think you could see from the Mustangs this year? When I said over, I, went with six or seven. I don't see them winning any more than that. You mentioned the defense. That's going to be the reason why they don't win more than six and seven. The offense can score, but the defense can't stop anybody, and that doesn't bode well for a team that's trying to get above seven wins. Yeah. I I mean, I totally have to agree with you. There's just too many too many question marks for, for me to put them in the discussion of potentially making it into a bowl game under Morris this year, even though I think he will, like I said earlier, 
do enough to potentially impress some some other programs and maybe get out of there. Um, next on the list is Tulane. The number for the Green Wave is a four and a half. We both went under. They're doing the right things, but they're just they don't have the same talent as everybody else in the conference. Agreed, and it's it's tough for me to find the four wins on the schedule. If they improve, I, it wouldn't be that surprising, but their schedule is pretty, pretty rough the first five games. They play Navy, Oklahoma, Army, and Tulsa in, in their first four or five games. That, that's going to be tough to find anything better than one and four. And I just, the schedule doesn't look much more promising from there. Yeah, that's the thing about, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult for anyone who's at Tulane to really win. But they are making this, it'll take some time if they ever make it on relevance in the conference. And like we said earlier, they are one of those teams that really needs to turn it on if the American is going to be, you know, considered a power six conference. But now let's just finish the West division and that's with Tulsa. The number is at seven and a half. And again, we disagreed here. You went under. I over my reasoning is I do think they have some holes to fill, but I I am also thinking that they could get to their nine wins. It ain't gonna be easy, but I think they do get to nine. Yeah, it'd be tough for me to see nine wins. I'd be pleasantly surprised. I, I really like what Philip Montgomery's doing there. I would be surprised to see nine wins. The game against Oklahoma State obviously is gonna be a tough one to survive, and then they have Louisiana at home, or Louisiana Lafayette, don't want to upset anybody here, but then they go to Toledo, and that that's another tough tough game, Toledo is going to be one of the better group of five teams, and I've with so much turnover at multiple positions, I, I don't see nine wins in my opinion, but and that's why I said under. They can make a bowl game. I would I would be surprised if they didn't. But seven and a half was way too high for me. Yeah. So now the only thing we need to do is take everything we just did, go to Vegas, and see if we could uh, make a few bills off of it, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. I really don't have anything else for the AAC for this show, unless you've got something else. We could just wrap it up here. No. Yeah. I think we can wrap it up here. I expected it to be kind of shorter for this one, and then obviously once we get close to the season, it'll be a little bit more content. All right, Joey, I guess that's it for Episode 7 here. Again, make sure you're following Underdog Dynasty on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review and all that stuff. Joey, before we go, let them know where they can find you on the interweb. Yeah, all my social media, Joey Broback, you should be able to find me there. And then I am at Joe Serp. You can find me on all the social media things like that. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast.